Yes. Even in the pandemic, I still have my day planner going. Oh, wow. (laughs) Every day it's the same thing. Stay home. <laughs> yeah, there's that quote about the worst, the money most, um, what was it, most most misspent in 2020 were all of the people who bought planners. <laughs> That's so true. Anyways, go on. Sorry. Okay. Welcome back to season three of the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 74. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay. And today we are talking about creating order in a disordered world. Quote, where there is order, there is harmony. Where there is harmony, everything happens in due time. Where everything happens in due time, there will be benefit. End quote. So said St. Irenaeus of Leon, all the way back in the second century. Now, in a world where confusion and chaos seem to abound, it may seem as if we must crusade on every public front if we wish to see a return of order and stability in our societies. But we can't forget that this crusade actually begins much closer, within the four walls of our houses. After all, order, as does charity, begins at home. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help the Modern Lady stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Sarah Zalkowski, who left us a wonderful review on iTunes and said, quote, listening to Michelle and Lindsay's podcast is like a breath of fresh air. Considering how society expects so much of women in regards to their status and sexuality, especially in this Instagram age, it's so nice to hear tips and have discussions on what it's like to be a true modern and modest lady, end quote. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for your comment. We completely agree with you that the modern lady has so much to offer our communities and the culture. It was really nice to hear from you. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. But before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Now, I'm pretty certain that the one thing that everybody is wondering about right now, more than anything else, is napkin etiquette. So allow me to give you some tips on how to deal with a cloth napkin. According to etiquettescholar.com, the first thing you need to do after sitting down is place your napkin on your lap. Don't flick it or snap it open. We all know we've seen this done in movies, but unfold it gently and place it in your lap. If it is a large napkin, you only unfold it halfway. And this is so, as one old etiquette book puts it, it doesn't appear as though you're lifting the corner of the tablecloth to wipe your mouth. If it is a smaller napkin, unfold the whole thing so that it covers your entire lap. If there is a napkin ring, after removing the napkin, place the napkin ring to the top left side of your plate. Don't tuck your napkin into your collar or buttonhole or waistband. We've all seen those movie clips of the mustachioed gentleman settling into his meal and hungrily tucking his napkin into his collar never into the collar, only on the lap. If you must leave the table, you leave your napkin on your chair. If you are at a fine dining establishment, expect to have it folded and placed on the table for your return. It might even be a new clean napkin depending on the restaurant. 
When you are finished eating, you lay it soiled side folded in on itself beside your plate. If, however, there is an after-dinner coffee or dessert being served, then you keep your napkin on your lap. Okay, so I'm glad we've been able to clear this up for people. I'm actually mm -hmm. a big fan of cloth napkins, and mm -hmm. I use several different ones that we have here at home. And after washing them, Michelle, I spend a lot of time ironing them perfectly and then folding them exactly just so. And I don't know if people notice all the work that goes into putting out cloth <laughs> napkins, but I'm a fan. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm so glad you brought this up because in this age of um, fake news and right. um, misinterpretation in the media and stuff like that, I do feel like napkins are uh, misrepresented mm -hmm. in our movies and television shows, as you as you pointed out. And I feel that's really unfair to the napkins. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, I, I do tuck them into the collar of my children's shirts. Right. Sometimes if it's a messy dinner. But perhaps etiquette needs to begin um, sooner. It's never too early to talk to your children about proper napkin etiquette. So thank you. Thank you. I've, I've learned a lot from I'm this I'm here tip. for you. Yeah. Thank you. St. <laughs> Francis de Sales once said, quote, external lack of order reflects internal lack of order, end quote. And it's actually true both ways, if you think about it, that if we lack internal order, that tends to seep out into the world around us too. Right, Lindsay? Yeah, that's right. Now, I do think we should clarify right here and now, but what we mean by the word disorder. Mm -hmm. I think it's clear by now, maybe for our listeners who've been listening for this whole time or for the new people that we aren't actually theologians. Um, right. So when we refer to disorder and disordered thinking, we're talking about it more in like the ancient philosophical and the Christian way, meaning literally out of order. And when you're out of order, we mean it out of order with the quote, supreme good. I want to point out that the supreme good is often discussed by Plato and then by Aristotle. And Aristotle refers also to the supreme good as the unmoved mover. So obviously we are Catholic. Um, so we start, we take it to the next level beyond that. And so to us, it's out of order with God and with what he desires for us. Now, in psychiatry, the definition of disorder is, quote, a behavioral or mental pattern that causes significant distress or impairment of personal functioning. Now, I don't really think it takes a specialist to see that there is a definite link then between a, living a disordered life and the potential, I'll be really clear there, the potential of that life resulting in an actual psychological disorder. Mm -hmm. Now, disorder is also a state of confusion. That's just basically the simple definition, a state of confusion. And while it should go without saying that we understand that there are some serious psychological disorders that absolutely require treatment, right? Mm -hmm. You and I also believe that it is possible to try to maybe on your own order your life. And what we are here to talk about are the thousands of years of philosophy and Christian teaching that will help you understand what we mean by disordered life and then how to order your life. Right. And I just want to point out that after you gave that great disclaimer that we are not theologians. <laughs> yeah. We also have to follow it up through that whole <laughs> monologue that we're also not philosophers, psychiatrists, right. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. medical experts. Got it. Okay. So no. we're just moms, right? We're just Hello. moms here. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I'm Lindsay. <laughs> 
we're just here to try to encourage you because we have seen in our own lives this, mm-hmm. this dramatic pull towards order and that when we get ourselves ordered, right? And you and I talk about this all the time. Okay. Yes. Like that's our Monday talk is, okay, how right. did we screw up? How do we get our lives back in order? That's right. <laughs> it's like and we're con- really yes. and and it's a positive conversation, yes. right? Like we are so um attracted to yes. the to an ordered life that when we have this discussion, it's never a downer. It's no. always like, okay, um, let's take stock of what did not work. And because our goal is still the same, because we still positively aspire to this, yeah. what must we do to change it up to uh, move closer to that ordered life that we seek? Absolutely. And we know we're not alone in that. And we know Mm -hmm. that the world has always been disordered and it's, it feels like it's even more so right now. Um, and that push then within you and I, and I suspect within a lot of our listeners is then to push back and to create more order within ourselves and within our homes. And so I think the first step though, is really, again, like looking into what it means when we say that the world is disordered. And therefore, mm-hmm. again, out of order. In 1982, academics James Wilson and George Kelling proposed a theory dubbed the, quote, broken windows theory, in which they linked petty crimes like jumping over the turnstile at a subway or catcalling women with rising levels of community disorder. And they said, if left unchecked, serious crime then follows. Wilson and Kelling posited that if the police could focus on small crimes, that is the breaking of a single window in an abandoned factory, then order could be relatively restored and keep the more serious crimes at bay. Now, the broken windows theory had a dramatic impact on policing in the late 1980s and the early 1990s, and it was implemented all over Canada and the U.S., with particular attention being paid to it in New York City. Police commissioner, and at that time, the former police chief, William Bratton, based his, quote, quality of life initiative, which I think is really cool that he called it that, on the broken windows theory and cracked down on disorderly behavior like public drinking, unsolicited windshield washing, and and other things (laughs) like that, right? That we would think these are serious crimes. The crimes where people are like, why aren't you catching the murderers? Well, this is why. Mm -hmm. And here's what happened. By the time he resigned in 1996, felonies were down almost 40% and the homicide rate was halved. Now, all this information is available. You can look it up in the Encyclopedia Britannica website, not the Mm. books, Um, (laughs) but it's all there. So this was the broken windows theory. I really like that. There's a lot to think about within that one study, right? Mm -hmm. It can kind of go in several different directions. Um, What I really got from that was this whole idea of order and disorder going in either direction, it's kind of culminating in this snowball effect, right? Right, That little things can lead to bigger things. Um, that actually reminds me of just this admonition of um, seeking and persevering in the smaller things in mm. a, a good and ordered way. They talked about this in, uh, I mentioned I was reading Little Men before yeah. we broke for the summer. And I actually continued and finished Joe's Boys too, so I'm caught up on the trilogy of Little Women. Um, but in the last book, before uh, one of the boys goes off to see, uh, Joe sits down and he, she tells him the story of the red thread, right? And she mm-hmm. said that basically your character is represented by this red thread 
And it starts off really small, but you keep pulling at it and pulling at it and pulling at it. And as long as you can hold on to the end of this little red thread that is like all the good and the virtues and the honor and stuff like that, no matter where life takes you, you'll have that connection back to Mm. what is proper and what you know to be true and therefore ordered. And so that just kind of made me think of that, like even the tiniest little thread sticking out, the little things that you see in society that may not, you may not think warrant such a grand grand response. These things can have uh, huge impacts on the overall good and order of an entire society. Like we're talking New York here, not Mm -hmm. even just a little spool of thread. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. You're absolutely right, because obviously you know, there were the critics of this theory of the broken window theory, they were like, um, there's so much more going on in those societies before somebody goes and breaks one of those windows. And we get that nobody's arguing, right? That there isn't some other issues here, some other factors like poverty and broken families and the education system in those areas. But what they had, what they did and why they decided to act on this is it was relatively affordable. It was cheap. They already had the police officers working and it was doable, right? They're like, Mm. okay, well, we can do this today. Like to Mm -hmm. to really look into generations of poverty and the education system. Those are massive things that can take generations to get sorted out. But they could that very day say to their officers, I want you to go and find out who broke that window today. And, and, And obviously it had great results. So this is what we're saying, right? Like, so what can we do? <laughs> right. How do you start that little string? What can we do in our in our lives? And this is what we want to break down with you guys, how we can look at creating order out of disorder. Yeah. And that's a really important point to note moving forward before we head into the bulk of the episode too, mm-hmm. is just, you know, that all everything that we're aspiring to, and we're going to present probably a lot of ideals mm-hmm. <laughs> here, but it really has to begin small, yeah. right? And, and it's not only like, oh, well, this is doable and manageable, and isn't that nice? I think it's even deeper than that. It's critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if you try to start from the opposite end, it's a little bit overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, to to recognize that it, it is in the small little um, bite sized pieces that this uh, overhaul back to order is going to be manageable. So what you're saying is that we have to do the proper order when we're trying to become properly ordered. (laughs) So you have to be, yes, you have to order yourself to the proper order in order to become an ordered person, obviously. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Following us? Okay. Uh So we, when we started looking into this, we also looked at chaos, right? Because we're like, okay, wait a second here. (laughs) There's disorder and there's chaos. And what I found was really, really interesting is that disorder leads to chaos and that Mm -hmm. this is sometimes both of these things are way more present than we think in a lot of the books or the TV shows or the movies that we watch. And so one thing I want to acknowledge is that both things can be taken to the extreme, Right. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes in the movies we love the most, it's actually order that needs to be fought against that order has been taken Mm. so far to the one extreme, it does need to be overthrown. And and other times chaos has gotten so far out of hand that order needs to swoop back in. And I think that when you stop and realize that we see that so often as a theme in so many of the movies that we love. And again, the extreme of either thing is completely destructive and we need to strike that balance. But you and I both believe that disorder, when left unchecked, devolves into chaos, right? So let's start small. (laughs) Right. So sometimes 
we actually might think that those are two different things, right? Mm-hmm. That chaos and disorder are two problems. But yeah, the more we talked about it this morning, I, I was realizing it, it is more of a successive thing. Yeah. Like um, if you don't have order and like you said, if you are not aware of it and it runs amok for too long, mm-hmm. then logically it follows that it would lead into chaos. Yeah. And What I was thinking more deeply about that, too, is that like if we descend too far into into chaos without noticing it, it can be really hard to find your way back to order because a either it seems insurmountable to dig your way out of it and or b the confusion may be so chaotic that you can't even see what true order looks like anymore I was or just what gonna it may say that. require of you oh really yeah you okay when you were yes. saying I'm like you totally made me think that too I'm like I think we can get to the point where we've then turned against the order right because we think right. well it must be all bad then right and we've mm-hmm. told ourselves it's all bad so let's throw that out and let's create a <laughs> it's like the word new world order has never been tossed around before <laughs> what's um, that right <laughs> and but it's like yeah. yeah we just think okay well that order before it didn't work because we're mm-hmm. so clouded by the time it reaches chaos you're right and so I guess like the emphasis here is to like stop it before it hits the point of chaos (gasps) which is what I was going to say so (laughs) yeah that it it might be an important exercise for us to become once more sensitive Mm. uh, again to the you know the phases or the times in our lives or the areas of our lives where things can tend to get easily derailed because I think for every person it may be a different thing Um, so that we can notice it sooner. And once we notice like, oh, this is starting to get a little bit out of whack, then we can nip it in the bud before it descends into that confusing chaos that kind of blinds us, or at least makes us really apathetic to true order. Like we we just don't want it anymore. We lose our taste for it altogether. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like there's been periods throughout history then when when people do lose their taste for it, essentially? And and yeah, that's really I like that you use that language with it. I I feel like I don't know if we're at that point right now. But yeah, I feel like Mm -hmm. there's been very clear trends throughout history where they do you you actually are repulsed by order. Right. And but we're like, no, you just it's been distorted. And that when Mm -hmm. we actually look at what properly ordered life looks like within yourself and within a community, it can never be distasteful because it's, it's what everybody is longing for. We've just kind of messed it it up along the way. It's true. And it it kind of um, probably the distaste. So if we're looking at it from a historically cyclical Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of perspective, it does seem to be uh, once people start losing their sense of, sacrificing themselves Mm -hmm. for this order because it requires discipline right Mm -hmm. and like if you're not willing to uh sacrifice maybe some of the things that you want for the good of the other person for the community for the greater good of everyone involved um then you start turning into in on yourself and then you're not so inclined to uphold those those virtues that might benefit everyone else and when everyone just does their own thing Mm-hmm. Uh, that's chaos. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's a, so I love what you're saying because it's, it's a turning away from those things. And it's often then we don't just then turn away and do nothing. We turn towards things that we probably shouldn't turn towards. Right. 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 And, and then we're like, okay, well, this feels good for right now. So we turn towards those things. So there's a quote by St. Augustine that took my breath away. He says, I loved what I loved in place of you. 
and the U is God. Oh. Um, and I feel like <laughs> we think then that we're turning towards these these other things, but they're just again, it's a disordered approach to mm. our passions ultimately. And it is a battle <laughs> that you're going to mm. have to fight the rest of your life. But I think that a lot of people, we aren't being taught this anymore. And so like you're saying, we aren't, we, we've lost the point where we're, where we're completely insensitive to it. We are mm. numb to it. And so what we're hoping to talk about today and what you and I have been trying to look at in our own lives is returning to that, that self-knowledge, that awareness, that these are the things that we are struggling with and that we have to overcome them in order to become properly ordered again. Mm -hmm. Here's another point to consider too. Like the word order might seem a bit scary. Mm. <laughs> and I think that might be because of our world's preoccupation with uh, perfectionism. Mm, yeah. Right? So sometimes when I think about order, I think like Captain Von Trapp, yeah. which <laughs> we're in a big like yeah, we... Maria Von Trapp mood right now. Yes. <laughs> big Maria Von Trapp mood. Right? We should give people the heads up. <laughs> we are basically right. in just Austria in our heads right now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be recurring yeah. <laughs> through these episodes, right? But but that might be sometimes what we think about when we're like order yeah. and it's the whistle and it's the yeah. marching on the whistle. Uh, and that's kind of scary because who among us can be like perfect in that yeah. way? But um, like to, to be ordered doesn't mean you have to have a perfect life or a perfect will, so yeah. to speak, right? It, but it does imply that one is trying or to put in a better word, striving for right. order. Okay. So we can talk all about order, but if we don't define what we believe, what, what you and I subscribe to as being properly ordered, um, then people really don't know what we're talking about. And so it's not like now we've come up with these things. These things are what the church has taught for thousands of years. And then before the church, as we talked about earlier, Plato and Aristotle and Cicero and all of these philosophers all were on to this. We were all on the same page here with this. Mm -hmm. Basically, everybody was on the same page with all of this until yesterday. Um, that's right. That's Douglas Murray. <laughs> Douglas Murray. Right? Right? He's always say. like, it's what we all agreed with being truthful until yesterday. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then we all dropped it. And so, so what I think where I was first drawn to this topic is I had heard, then this is just really loose here, but I'd heard St. Thomas Aquinas defining being properly ordered. He was linking it to like literally the, the order of our body from our head down. Mm. And so I was looking into that more. And then I realized that the seven deadly sins kind of are in that same order from our head down. And okay. so if we look at it like, okay, so the seven deadly sins are pride, greed, envy, anger, gluttony, lust, lust and sloth. Mm -hmm. And when I looked at those, I'm like, it's like your head with pride, right? Like it's, you're all up in your mm -hmm. head. And then greed, you know, comes from your eyes and what you're seeing you want. Mm -hmm. Envy, usually, you know, I connected that to our mouths and that we are saying, you know, what we want in other people. And it's just, it, that could be gossip and that sort of thing from our mouths. Mm -hmm. You know, anger, we move down to our heart and what we're feeling in our heart. Um, gluttony, obviously the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Yes obviously lust with we'll just say the lower bits <laughs> i was wondering how you were going to define lust i was waiting right. for that one <laughs> and then okay. finally sloth you know i was thinking about our feet right we're slow moving yeah. and so 
whether we want to accept it or not, um, that these are not properly ordered things, these vices, um, I think we could actually agree that if we just change the language and look at the flip side of the seven deadly sins, which are the seven lively virtues, they're called different things, but Mm-hmm. If we want to accept then that these are actually the properly ordered version, if you're following along. So, right, <laughs> so right, if we yes. look at those other things where it is being improperly ordered, disordered, these, these seven things are what you and I mean are being properly ordered. So humility is the, is the opposite of pride. Generosity, it, it goes against greed, kindness to envy, meekness to anger, temperance to gluttony chastity to lust and diligence to sloth. I I think if we all Mm. really looked within ourselves and looked at that list, I think we could all agree (laughs) whether we want to or not, our intellect would have to admit that those are things that are property properly ordered within ourselves and within our society. Right. Yeah. And it's all about like reframing your life to what you want, mm-hmm. right? And and ultimately as Christians anyways, we believe that what we want should ultimately be what God wants mm-hmm. <laughs> for our lives and that's the priority and that we have our priorities in check. That is kind of the overarching like idea of what a of how a person can order their lives. Yeah. Right. So it's the direction of your whole life towards using those lively virtues, mm-hmm. right? Disdaining the the deadly sins and turning towards the more lively virtues um, to figure out what is the meaning of your life. You know, St. Ignatius says it in, and they quote him in the, the book, The Soul of the Apostolate, mm-hmm. which I'm reading right now, and I can't find it in the book. So I'm going to paraphrase the book that <laughs> paraphrases St. Ignatius for a second. <laughs> <laughs> he says something to the effect of, <laughs> you know, basically, what are they doing and how are they doing it? Right. And, and I believe that that's the question that every person seeking order has to ask themselves. Yeah. What am I doing here? And then how am I going to do it? And then all of a sudden there's a plan. We always feel better when there is a plan mm-hmm. set in place, but it all starts with identifying what is my priority in life? Where am I going and how am I going to get there? How am I yeah. going to do it? And then the things can flow. The, the formulation of a plan can flow from that. Exactly. You and I love our plans, right? <laughs> <laughs> love. Yes. Yes. So I, how do I properly order myself? Right? So again, mm-hmm. this is an ongoing process, but the first thing is self-knowledge and that is having a deep understanding and accepting those things that I acknowledge to be disordered. Um, mm-hmm. and so self-knowledge is looking within myself and going, okay, yep. Slothful check. Um, yeah, pride <laughs> check. And basically all of them check. And then, um, when I have that self-knowledge then I can judge myself properly, right? I can go, mm-hmm. okay, this is disordered. And then if I know that that's disordered, then I need to then figure out how to order it. So right. number two then is self-control. Um, and act mm. of the will and really developing that. You and I have talked on many episodes about how we develop self-control, right? We mm-hmm. are both big fans of fasting um, and about having organized days, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, really learning how to control myself is the next step in properly ordering those vices and then turning them into the lively vir- uh, virtues. 
Number three is detachment from earthly pleasures, which again are is detaching from those vices, but also from my own ego. And that's right. Tied into the self-knowledge as well. Right. And going, okay, it's not about what I want. It's not about what I, how I would properly order my day. It's really accepting that God's order for my life and for our world is ultimately the right one because it's good Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful and it's just. And so I have to detach from my own ego. And then in that number four is then I see God in all things. And then I fully submit to his will. And Mm. this has these things, self-knowledge, self-control, detachment, and submitting to his will. I have to do these things all the time. it's not a one time and done type deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we work on these things through prayer, through Bible um, reading, through uh, partaking in the sacraments and confession. Oh boy. Confession is a big part of that. Um, (laughs) And it's leaning on friends for good counsel. Mm -hmm. And through practice Mm -hmm. and perseverance, right? Because um, we live in a world that, you know, as you're reading those things, I thought to myself, how everything in culture today is opposite to that. Absolutely. It tells you to do the complete opposite. And so if you are going to uh, start adopting these things, start to adopt these things in your own life, uh, you will, uh, with no uncertainty, be met with resistance, um, either interiorly. um, The devil, I heard in a homily, the devil hates, uh, you know, three things probably more, but in this homily, it was three, mm-hmm. uh, cleanliness, order, and beauty, mm-hmm. right? Because he thrives in impurity, chaos, and ugliness. Oh my gosh. Yes. Right. And so interiorly, you're going to meet resistance. That is not somewhere that the enemy wants you to go. Yeah. Um, and then exteriorly in the world, people are going to think you're a bit strange or it's yeah. unnecessary. Like you're so extra. Why must yeah. you always be so extra yeah. <laughs> with your faith stuff? Um, and to at least be prepared for that, just so that you're not caught off guard, essentially, Absolutely. is what I'm trying to say. You're right, because for most of our history, and I and I would argue that throughout most of the world, it was religion, right? Whether it yeah. was Christianity or some of the other major religions of the world, that shaped our understanding of order. It was our cornerstone. It was what everything was based mm-hmm. on. And I would suggest now that that is the media right? The media is shaping our understanding of order and what, like you're saying, what people think of as normal and how they order those things in their lives. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you were to ask a young person today uh, to list the things that they think are really important, right? And then you Mm -hmm. kind of get an idea of what they would order things. They could, they could give you an answer. They would give you, I think, a very a quick answer on what they think is important because they're being fed things that they think are important. But if you were to say, why are these things important? They wouldn't be able to answer that. Mm. And the why is what is going to sustain us. And it's what is going to truly be transcendent of time and situations. So as we've said, there's clearly chaos and disorder happening right now outside of our front doors. And you know, I read this interview and one of the founders of a very popular social justice group that's extremely active right now that will remain unnamed. When one of the founders was interviewed, they actually explained that part of their mission, part of their mission is to create noise and chaos, to be Mm. deliberately unsettling. And they said it's almost like an immersive 
art piece that wasn't their exact language, but like that it's, um, that it is a movement that is deliberate. Mm. And so that people of quote privilege who have never felt that type of chaos, they'll be lost in it, that they'll actually feel it because then it transmits this feeling of chaos between the people participating in protests or in these riots, um, that it is actually very deliberate. And so Mm. I think that there can be no doubt that some of the chaos right now is being deliberately manufactured. But you and I also understand that some of the chaos right now is coming from a place of real pain, right? That there is Mm -hmm. a real and authentic call to identify behaviors that are actually disordered, that we can all agree on are disordered, like racism and violence, greed and sexual violence and pedophilia and sex trafficking. And in some ways, all of us are being forced right now to confront disorder. Yeah. But here's the thing. Most people don't want to have to accept that you have to properly order yourself behind closed doors Right. And then, and then you proceed to work with your family and your loved ones. And then you become properly ordered units, right? That are working Mm. together only after you've done it to yourself first. And then you go back out into society. But Mm -hmm. the message that you and I have said over and over again in our podcast is that with everything, with everything, it starts at home and it starts Mm -hmm. with you. Yeah. That's always the temptation, isn't it? Like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's the immediacy of the culture, too. We think we don't have time to work on ourselves. We need to go out there and do something about that now. Um, But you're right. Like, we're we're called to a more constant state than that, where the working on ourselves happens all the time, constantly. And so it constantly flows out from us and then out from our families, and then out into the world. And if we're not there at that point yet, where the world can be transformed, then that must mean that we still have work to do, even within our own hearts. And if we stop too short, in order to leave our hearts and our homes behind, then nothing that we do outside is going to have any kind of lasting merit. Because there is, it's just as empty and shallow as the evil and the discord on the outside that we're actually trying to overcome in the first place. Mm-hmm. Pope St. John the Twenty-Third said, The world will never be a dwelling place of peace till peace has found a home in the heart of each and every man, till every man preserves in himself the order ordained by God to be preserved. That is why St. Augustine asks the question, does your mind desire the strength to gain the mastery over your passions? Let it submit to a greater power and it will conquer all beneath it. And peace will be in you. True, sure, most ordered peace. What is that order? God as ruler of the mind, the mind as ruler of the body. Nothing could be more orderly. It's time for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So, Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? I have told you so many times about this that I'm just bursting because I still love 
Desert Island Discs. So yes, yes. (laughs) I listen to it via podcasts, but I think it's fascinating to share with you that the first episode was actually in a bomb damaged studio in West London in 1942. What? And they're still producing episodes of this show, Desert Island Discs. So it is from England and it started as a radio show and they've pretty much kept the same format for, Mm -hmm. I don't know, what are we at? Um, 75 years. I don't know. Oh my gosh. It's been a long time. And so the format is each guest is permitted eight songs slash albums to bring on a desert island and they share which songs and why. And they're permitted just one book, but the island is already furnished with a copy of the Bible and the complete works of Shakespeare. And they are allowed Mm -hmm. to pick at the end one luxury item. Now, what's so cool and why this has been such a enduring and popular show, radio show, and then into podcast is that the interviewing format is the most personal I've ever encountered. It's it's a Mm -hmm. huge reminder, right, of how music shapes our lives from our earliest memories. And these sometimes very distinguished guests that you would never get on any other show really open up and share personal stories about why they take this music with them, these albums Mm -hmm. to this desert island. And so um, a lot of the people, you know, us being in Canada, we aren't going to recognize some of the guests because they're like British MPs from 1976 or whatever. But there's a (laughs) lot of big names you will recognize if you dig back. And the um, at least on the podcast app, you can go back into the mid 70s. And so I would recommend for people who want to dig in because there's a lot of shows to dig through, but you can look up Princess Margaret, uh, Princess mm. Grace of Monaco, right? Grace Kelly. Oh, um, I love Maya Angelou's um, Bruce Springsteen. I'm a big Springsteen fan. His episodes were oh. really good. Tom Hanks. His is an extended episode. It's a little longer and it's such, I've never heard Tom Hanks speak like this, which is we, we all think right. we know Tom Hanks so well, right? right. <laughs> um, oh, I think you'll love this one. There's Roald Dahl. Um, the author, right, of oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He has some strong yeah. words about that movie, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> um, his is a really great interview. And, of course, Maria Von Trapp. So right. Desert Island Discs, I'm a massive fan. And it's really been an, a little escape in the middle of all of this chaos and disorder to just um, listen. And they and they play little clips of the music. And so it's just this beautiful little, um, yeah, retreat uh, for your mm-hmm. mind during these these days. What have you been loving this week? So I am loving. Um, I watched it a few weeks ago, but I'm going to be watching it again this week. So I feel like it counts still. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the new version of Emma. Oh, the movie I haven't Emma seen it that yet. came out in 2020. Oh. Yes, it is delightful. It's mm-hmm. awesome. I loved it. Um, it's simultaneously so quirky, mm-hmm. like in the best way, but really quirky. And just stunningly shot mm. and produced. Um, they did a great job of staying true to like the sentiment behind Emma. Yeah. Because like sometimes don't you find like um the novel has a bit more of a lighter tone. Than yeah, it does. Yeah. Some of her other works, right? But yeah. sometimes it it just naturally takes on what we think Jane Austen is heavy, serious, um, like Elizabeth Bennett type of thing. But Emma's not like that. And I find that this movie does a good job of portraying that. Mm. So I also really enjoy the soundtrack. If you want to find that I listen on Spotify Mm. and it's just like the, the movie it's quirky, it's delightful. And the soundtrack especially kind of catches you off guard with Mm. its music selections, but it's just very charming overall just a very fun adaptation 
of Emma. So I think they're doing a really good job lately of bringing back um, old stories in new and unique adaptations. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. And if you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, and we will see you next time. Thank you.